It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Good evening, and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And today is Sunday, April the 7th, and we are back in beautiful Austin, Texas, where we have been cleansed by a weekend of rain and everything is so green right now. It's Beautiful. I've come to appreciate the rain since I've moved to Texas. Um, Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here to make the show run. And we have another great program in store for you. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined from Chicago by Holly Barker, founder and president of the Grief Resource Network and Grief Anonymous, an international online grief support organization. And Holly is also the owner of the Launching Pad Drive-In and the iconic Gemini Giant on historic Route 66. So I think that will be a really interesting discussion. I know it will be a really interesting discussion. And later in the program, Marianella Ramirez-Watson, coordinator of the refugee program at the Good Neighbor Settlement House in Brownsville, Texas, will be joining us to discuss their passionate work with the asylum seekers at the border and how we can all help because after all we can't live a passionate life without compassion and along the way i'll discuss the four pillars of a passionate life with the specials on allowing ourselves to dream and breaking out of our cocoon and fear of dreaming in adulthood And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-347-4720. Or you can email your questions to me during the program, and I will read them on the air. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to my podcast, to this podcast will be posted on my website along with all of the links that my guests give on the program. So that'll be later this evening at drmaricorpel.com. But you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the program ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio. That's B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. And for information from previous programs, to listen to previous programs, to read my blogs, to watch videos that we have created with guests who are here in Austin, um, to find out about my course, 
to buy my book, all of that, you can go to the one-stop shop, drmaricarpel.com, and you can also hear all of the previous programs that we've done here on Blog Talk Radio in the last five years by going to blogtalkradio.com slash yourgoldenyears. And to find out about future events, to find out about upcoming shows, to know when uh, to be notified when a new blog is published, um, go, or to follow my Facebook Live series, be sure to like my Facebook page, which is Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Ears. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin, Texas, and in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and with caregivers. And for the past few years, have been evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected conditions. And part of the time, my office is in the wonderful Veterans Resource Center, Heroes Night Out, which is located in Cedar Park, Texas. And for more information about this really great resource for veterans and for veterans' families, check out their website, heroesnightout.org. Do you want to contact me? Do you have a question that you want to ask me, something that you think I should know about? Feel free to call me at 512-626-6973 or send me an email to drmara at drmaracarpel.com or go through my website on the contact link. This evening's program is sponsored by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512 261 7909 or send him an email to rdevere that's r-d-e-v-e-r-e at austin.rr.com and his book is also available on Amazon and this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse Storyhouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have Storyhouse open to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Storyhouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play uh, some of our sponsors' commercials, um, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back very shortly, and we'll be joined from Chicago by Holly Barker, founder and president of Grief Anonymous and the Grief Resource Network and owner of the Launching Pad Drive-In and the iconic Gemini Giant on historic Route 66. Go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. 
Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on drmarakarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Illinois, we have Holly Barker, who is the founder of Grief Anonymous and the Grief Resource Network and the owner of the Launching Pad Drive-In and the iconic Gemini Giant on Historic Route 66. <laughs> That's, That's a mouthful. <laughs> Thank is. you for having me on your show, Dr. Moore. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And I just want to, just as a little reminder, there's a slight delay when we talk like this. So it's just good to just to keep that in mind. Okay. So maybe you can... Um, Tell our listeners a little bit about you before we launch into the Grief Anonymous. Sure. Uh, okay. So I, um, my name is Holly Barker, and about five years ago, my husband passed away from cancer. He was 41 at the time, and I was, uh, you know, working in Canada. And I had been a professional in sales and marketing in uh, several different industries. And, um, and I had an 11-year-old son at the time. And it was just a, mon- it was just a, it was a huge life. And I mm-hmm. looked around. I went uh, looking for grief support, looking for help. And I could find very little out there that could actually help me. And so I decided to start my own um, organization. I moved back from Canada. I'm from North Carolina. And I moved back to uh, North Carolina in about uh, 2015. And, you know, I just, I, 
I, I went to an open meeting at an Alcoholics Anonymous program with a friend of mine. I, I, I'm not a recovering alcoholic, but he said to me, why don't you come see what this program is like, and maybe it can give you some ideas about um, what you can do to start something for yourself. And so I went with him, and it was an absolutely life-changing experience. I went in there, and I saw people healing. I saw people going through a lot of things that, you know, just, I mean, just so much more than just alcoholism. It was just, it was, it was amazing. And I, I took from that some really important ideas and I turned it into a organization called Grief Anonymous. And um, what I I gave a small talk in a little coffee shop in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And there was a lady in the, in the audience. Her name was Rita Calberry and she ran up to me after the talk and she said, I really want to help you. So we sat down in my kitchen and we started talking about it. She had lost her brother about six months before in a, in a, um, an accident. And she said, Holly, why don't you, uh, put something online on Facebook and have a, a closed group and while we look around to see what we can do local in the community. So we started a Grief Anonymous program and in the in the same time I went and actually founded the organization. I trademarked it. I was doing all the background work for a website and all of those things. Well we we focus on what's called the tenants, just similar steps, um, um, ways like like you say, vitality, living your best life, moving forward, and and that's what really what we were about. And it just it took off. I had no idea. And within six months, we had over four million people viewing our page. We were adding hundreds of people every day to our groups. And it expanded within a year into about 20 different groups online, and we have over 35,000 people in our online grief groups. We have several moderators. Most of the people that run help run the organization are um, have been. Uh, all of them have been through similar experiences, and um, it's just it's been going really well for about three years now. We also knew that we needed to have an overarching uh, website, be a resource and a guide to help people moving forward, um, whether it be governmental resources, books, information, hotlines, things of that nature. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of, when it comes to me, that's my experience. You know, I went, I went mm-hmm. through just a catastrophic loss. I don't know any other way to describe it. And, um, you know, of course, I had a grieving son as well. And so, you know, really, my whole life changed within six weeks. He was diagnosed with cancer um, in 2014. And six weeks later, he passed away. And, um, yeah, and so, you know, the, the interesting thing is I, for several, for two years, I was looking for the perfect location to get started with my my meetings and we were so busy with the online side that and building the websites and the organization I uh, I, I met a, a man who's a wonderful guy his name is Tully Garrett and he uh, lived in Chicago and I met him online with actually an online grief support group and I moved up here to be with him and we were going down the road uh, on Route 66 on a date and we came across the launching pad and it was a shuttered rundown building that had been vacant for over five years and there was an iconic 
28 foot statue of a spaceman out in front and a beautiful, like this little room in the back of this restaurant. And I just saw exactly what I needed to start this first, uh, my first local meeting. And so we bought the restaurant. We spent a year and a half restoring it. We've been running the first chapter of Grief Anonymous very successfully for almost a year, well, actually a little over a year now. And there you go. So that's really uh, in the synopsis exactly what happened and how it happened. And and we are, um, you know, we just opened the restaurant about a year, a, a, a month and a half ago, and things are going great. So so you actually have a local group that meets in yes. the back of the restaurant? Mm-hmm. And everything else is for everywhere else it's online. That's right. Our, uh, my whole my goal, honestly, is I want to be able to create the prototype for grief anonymous meetings, so that as um, we develop, as we move forward, I can give the program to other organizations, hospice funeral homes, um, hospitals, any type of organization that has an open free space and wants to facilitate a program, that's that that's really what I'm looking for is to be able to continue. So similar to uh, the other anonymous programs that are out there, such as Alcoholics Anonymous, NA, um, any, any of those programs. I mean, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I mean, they work really well and ours is just another example of how the anonymous programs can help people with support Mm -hmm. so so how does it work online do you have like set times where people um get onto that you know onto that page and everybody's there in real time Sure. Okay. The, the the beautiful thing about Grief Anonymous is, yes, right now we just have our first chapter here up in Chicago. However, um, the online community is three, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And our, pro, and our, our, if, if someone, and all of it right now is based out of Facebook. So you have to have a Facebook account. If you go to your search bar in Facebook and you type in the word Grief Anonymous, it will pull up our actual live page that is uh, is an open page for everyone to be able to see. That has about uh, half a million people a month on uh, viewing the page. Uh, we have about, I don't know, almost 60,000 followers who are seeing our updates. And then you go to the group tab with on, within the main page, and the group tab shows our 20 different online groups. And you basically have to request to join them. You have to let us know a little mm-hmm. bit about yourself. We want to make sure we go through people's profiles. We make sure that who we're bringing in is, has actual loss and then they can come into the group. It's a closed group, so what they say, what you say, what um, is kept within the group and within the membership, you can't see it on the outside, and that's part of the autonomy of the of the of the um, the group, so that people feel safe, mm-hmm. they feel comfortable to be able to share. So the lovely thing is, you know, a lot of people can't sleep. Say you've lost your spouse and you're having trouble sleeping, it's 11 o'clock at night, you can go on your phone, you can go in your spouse loss group, and there's always someone in there who's active and people can post and respond. And at first I didn't think it was going to be something that, I mean, it didn't make sense, a a lot of sense to me because I hadn't been in a lot of groups, 
but it really, 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 truly helps people because, like I said, you have someone there responding, commenting. It helps people to know that they're not alone in their experience, mm-hmm. and I think that's the number one thing when it comes to grief is that it's a very isolating feeling. It's something different. Um, and, you know, a lot of your listeners, I would imagine if it's in their golden years, they've been exposed to more loss. Maybe they've lost parents, mm-hmm. siblings, a spouse, and um, it's an isolating feeling. So the first and most important thing is, you know, you're not alone. And then they can read and and um, get out of it the fact that the things that they're experiencing, hey, I'm not the only one. And that's half the battle won, I truly believe. But you also have to work at your grief. You know, you have to, and that's what the tenants are about. It's a daily, almost like a meditative um, lens that you can look out into the world using the tenants to be able to move forward. So what are, you know, what is an example? I mean, what are some of the, are they similar to the AA 12 steps? Something, some of them are. Um, the number one tenet is belief in a higher power of consciousness. So, you know, it is a spiritually guided um, uh, organization, um, but it is also consciousness related. So someone who's agnostic or who's angry at God or um, they're just questioning what's going on. It, it allows for that as well. So people can bring in their faith. They can bring, bring, bring in their belief systems and share it into the groups, no matter whether you are uh, Jewish or, or Christian or agnostic or Muslim or whatever, you can share it within the group. And uh, our cardinal rules state that people have to use the words I, me, my, and then they can share it and do it without it, you know, feeling judged. So that's, that's, that's similar to AA. Another similarity to AA is the giving back. So that is tenant number 10. And we know that, um, you know, once you've done the work, once you've moved forward, you've been through and you feel like you can offer, you know, good advice. And so, you know, we don't leave our brothers and sisters on the battlefield. That's kind of how we say Mm -hmm. it when when people are new to grief. And so it's a healing mechanism, both for someone new to grief and then also someone who's been through it for a while to be able to share with each other and help each other along. So those two things are quite synonymous. Now, the other things are, they're timeless principles um, that can be found in all kinds of uh, different organizations, such as facing your fears, um, uh, finding a sanctuary for healing. So whether that's Mm -hmm. a church or a pathway in a park, or if you want to build a location within your home or dedicate a room to that person, that is a, a very healing uh, technique that we use to help people. Um, another thing, for example, and I won't go through all of them, but one other that's real important is focusing on the fundamentals of sleep, diet, and exercise. And it sounds very mm-hmm. cliche, but the truth of the matter is it's the foundation and the bedrock to healing because People, you know, they find they can't sleep or they sleep too much or they overeat or they can't eat or foods remind them of their loved one or going to just going to the grocery store can be an excruciating experience in the beginning when you can't buy the food and cook the food that you love, you know, you had for your loved one. Um, And then exercise, you know, people tend to sit 
on the couch and turn to stone or, mm-hmm. you know, they just feel like they can't move. And so, you know, we, we, we really try to help people understand that it's walking to the end of your street or just moving to the front room of your house or going to check the mail or, you know, joining a 5K run, whatever that is for the person. It's that healing aspect of getting your body moving. So that's the kind of things that are representative of the tenants. We also do baby right. steps and leaps of faith. <laughs> uh huh. It takes time. Yes. Yes. No, that sounds really, really good. Um, and when you were talking about, you know, helping other people, so do you have sponsors like you would in AA? Like people yeah, have a sponsor? Is, yeah, you know, I, we are still a developing organization, and we've just we've grown leaps and bounds in a lot of different directions, and that is absolutely something down the road I would love to see happen. And we have discussed mm-hmm. it, and because it is a the way that our our online groups are set up, and the way Facebook has set it up, which has been a real godsend, I think Facebook does a lot of good out there in the world some things and I know they get a lot of criticism and they've had a lot of issues going on ongoing in a lot of different directions but for grief support it's been absolutely phenomenal and mm-hmm. so on in in the online grief groups we have what are called administrators and moderators those are the people who are leaders, uh, taking leadership roles up, and um, we do have suicide um, protocols so that if someone is becoming suicidal or making comments, because we also know that suicide and addiction are very um, have very high percentage rates for people who are suffering from the loss and grief. Mm-hmm. And so we do mm-hmm. have those people out there that are supportive. That are, a lot, of, several of them are nurses, um, psychiatric nurses, um, mm. uh, physician assistants. People like that um, have risen to the top uh, in this program, and um, we have that. Now, locally speaking, it has. Uh, we've been so um, busy. Um, just you know, growing the group and looking at different topics and things like that. But down the road, I truly see being able to assign people, you know, who wants to to step up to the plate and check on people and make sure they're okay and all of mm-hmm. that things. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll go in a little bit different direction than sponsorship. It would be more like a mentor. Um, but I also see similar similarities with a lot of different angles. You know, sort of like if someone's lost a mother, pairing that person up who's lost an adult child, those kind of things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. I mean, those Thank are you. really, really, it sounds like you've really thought about this, all of the the details about it, um, and, you know, taking what, what's most helpful from those 12-step programs. And, you know, obviously it's not going to be exactly the same because it's a different issue. We're not talking about addiction. We're talking about grief. So Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say this thing about it. It's, it's a very interesting concept that I would have never truly understand. And the thing about the thing that's so um, parallel with alcoholics, alcoholism and Alcoholics Anonymous is that it is, even though that is an addiction and it is a illness, of course, of the of the mind, with grief, 
it's a new emotion on the spectrum of the human experience that once you truly feel it, once you've been truly through it, it's something that stays with the person for the rest of their lives. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you are staying in constant pain and you're staying in a constant state of, you know, despair, all of those things. But when you feel grief, it stays with you. And so it's similar with alcoholism. Alcoholism is one of those things that you hear once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. So someone has to work at that alcoholism for the rest of their lives and it gets easier. It gets um, more subtle and muted over the course of years. And so the similarities are there that once you felt grief, it's with you, but then it can transform. It can you know, it, it you right. find your new normal and all of those. So we have we truly have some parallels there that I think are striking. Um and, and, and it is true too that I mean it exacerbates addiction, it exacerbates mm-hmm. um, mental illness, it exacerbates um physical illness. So it's something that truly needs to be more be- uh, more defined, um, better studied and um helping people. I mean you've got broken heart syndrome. You know, there's so much out there, and I think mm-hmm. that there's a a real a heightened recognition of what grief does to a person. Um, and I didn't mention this before, but I spent 20 years, around 16 years, actually, in the pharmaceutical industry, and mostly what I was doing was selling uh, medications in the psychiatric community. So I was calling on hospitals and psychiatrists selling medicines for depression, schizophrenia, bipolar. And so I've been sort of that proverbial fly on the wall between pharmaceutical companies and the psychiatry and the hospitals. So I truly know what's being discussed out there. And I will tell you, I was never, never once was grief a part of a a topic of conversation of anything. And Mm -hmm. it really needs to be there. And um, because I think it's the root cause sometimes of of issues to begin with or exacerbations. And so that's one another reason why I did this is because I knew so I had such I had the background to know what was really being said and what was being done and what wasn't being done. So Yeah. You've made a really good point and um and I've discussed that on this show recently I had um two I'll, I'll connect you with them. So two directors in two filmmakers in Toronto that have put together um, films of people, you know, videos of people who talk about their grief. And um, and it was for people who are in grief to just, like, be able to get on and watch other people who are in grief. So that might be yes. something for your resource center. Um but when they were on, we were talking about how um, most people don't understand grief. And it really, I mean, they expected me to have had training and, you know, that that's a normal part of a psychologist's training is dealing with grief and that there's all kinds of information for us. And that's really not <laughs> the case. I think, you know, you know, more recently people are becoming more aware of it. My training on grief was somebody is in grief after six months, then it's clinical depression. Nope. That was my training. Well, so it's true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's really, um, it's really important that, you know, what you're doing and, and not just what you're doing in terms of this group, but just like letting people 
creating an awareness that there that this is something that is different. It's different than just the clinical depression or not just, but different than other mental health issues. And, um, and the fact is that everybody is going to experience grief at some point in their life. You just, just said one it. Of the, mm-hmm. You really said it. I always say um, grief is something that's going to happen to everyone unless you are the first to go. And, right. you know, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that grief is, is an emotion. And so, in my opinion, it is an emotion. So it's not something to truly diagnose. However, the, the issues that surround grief are diagnosable, such as PTSD, anxiety, depression, eating disorders. Right. I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. much involved in it. And so I, that's one of the – if I could flash myself forward five, ten years from now, because this is all getting started, I really – you know, being that I understand like, – exactly, like you're – you, you just said it about what your experience was. We really can't go to school right now and learn everything there is to know about how to be a grief counselor because there is no degree for grief other than, say, thanatology, but that's really the study of dying more so than it mm-hmm. is the study of grief. And uh, so there's not, you know, there's not that professional level out there. And so I think the best type of support is a community so it would be your doctor it would be a psychologist a psychiatrist a a support therapist uh, you know something of that nature support groups so you know even a nutritionist so if that's kind of one of the things that I believe in is that it takes a village and that's one of the reasons why I developed the grief resource network even though it's in its infancy um, we're just getting started with exactly how it needs to be built um, I really see myself doing my best to try and partner with um, uh, the medical community in order to figure these things out and to move forward and to get these studies. I mean, I mean, I've got 35,000 people in my online grief group. I mean, we can do studies online and find participants and find a lot of these answers and and create the true paradigm of of support and healing for grief. I know we can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the people who are most passionate about this and who really understand that it's not a mental illness, it's a it's just a it's a experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are people who have who have experienced grief. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's also synonymous with Alcoholics Anonymous because you never have someone who is facilitating a program um, or leading a support group who hasn't been through the experience before. So sort of similar, similarly to like, uh, you know, you go into any Alcoholics Anonymous program around the country or the world, it's being led by someone who is a recovering alcoholic. And so mm-hmm. I, I truly believe in that concept. What I like is the idea of the medical community being able to facilitate and offer a room, offer a space, and, um, a, you know, a, a regular schedule. And then the program would be developed so that the person that's coming in could be leading it who has been through it before. So I think it's a partnership. It has to happen in both directions. It's very difficult for someone who is grieving a loss 
to find a, a location to set up a group meeting and to and then to keep going ongoing um, a group a grief support program it takes a tremendous amount of dedication and um and know how to be able to do that on an ongoing basis. I know that because I've been running my own program for a year and a half now, but I also have mm-hmm. my own room and my space and my you know location and you know and I'm very I mean it's my life, my livelihood and my, I'm dedicated to doing it and it's also free. So, you know, I just I I know the that that part is still in the development and I know that once I get this you know, get the restaurant up and running and, and keep going with the grief group um, that I will find the people, places, and things that need to be put into place to move this further. And I'm excited right. to hear about your your um, people in Toronto. And I lived right in near, I lived in the greater Toronto area for six years. Oh, so okay. My husband was okay. Canadian, so that's a real good connection. I'd love to meet and talk with them. Yes, yes. I'll send you that information um, after the program. Um, so it was, it's called Grief Stories, if you want to take a look okay. at that, meanwhile. And, um, yeah, so if there are listeners who are interested in, in being a part of, you know, this program and, and connecting um, online if they need to or, you know, even if they live in Chicago and want to come to the launching pad, um, how can they find out about it? have our program every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and it goes for an hour and a half and we meet right at the restaurant and it's right here in Wilmington so it's in the Chicagoland area it's real close to uh, the Chicagoland Speedway you just take Route 66 down into Wilmington and you can't miss the Gemini Giant and that's where we hold our program every single week you can, uh, people can also find out about our program. Uh, they can go in and, and watch the videos and, and read. Uh, so we have multi layers of being able to understand our program, whether you watch a video or you read it. And then there's a link that takes you straight into the Facebook page off of our website. So the website is www.griefanonymous.com. And that will tell a person everything they need to know about our program. And then it offers links directly into Facebook. And then it would um, help them also find the individual groups. We even have groups that are, like we have all the main ones, like uh, loss of spouse, fiance, or life partner. Um, We also have loss of child, loss of parent. Uh, loss of sibling, uh, but we also focus on loss due to suicide, loss due to a violent act. We have um, uh, several several of those kind of groups as well that are specialized in the particular kind of loss because it's very impactful, for example, loss due to suicide. And you really have certain things that you go through mm-hmm. that you really need answers to that someone who's lost a spouse to cancer wouldn't truly be able to understand. And so that's right. That's a very strong group of ours as well. Right. Okay. Well, I will post all of that on my um, website link about this show after the program. So people can go right there and, and get that information and I'll send you the connection with um, grief stories, so maybe they can be Great. part of your resource. And thank you so much for for being on the program. 
You're um, welcome. I you really know, appreciate maybe, you reaching out to me. Yeah, maybe you can come back after after a time when things progress to the next level and let us know what's going on. <laughs> I would love to join you and stay connected. And I really, I think it's wonderful that you are doing this work that you do. You know, whether you're 50, 60, 70, 80, it doesn't matter. Life is still for the living. And I, my, my motto is carpe diem. And it's good that you're out there promoting uh, health and vitality and keeping moving forward and enjoying life till the very end. I mean, that's why we're here. So, right. Thank you for all well, that you do. You. Thank you. Thank you. You're well, welcome. Well, you have a good evening. All right. Well, and, thank you so much. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a brief break. We have lots more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. All right, and we are back. And this is Dr. Mara Corpel and your golden years. And um, all right, that was really great. And I hope that um, anyone out there who is listening, who is looking for some help with grief, that you'll reach out to Grief Anonymous. It sounds like a great group, and you can access it from anywhere, um, right on your computer, right on Facebook. So, all right. So um, I'm just going to speak briefly before our next guest comes on that's Maria Nella Ramirez Watson who's going to talk about compassionate work down by the border um, I just want to fill you in on some news first so um, I've been doing a series on Facebook if you haven't seen it yet or have, haven't heard me talk about it yet uh, um, Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. Central Time 9 p.m. Eastern Time, you can catch me live on Facebook at Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. And, of course, it then turns into a video, and so you can, you can watch it anytime afterwards. But if, but if you're watching live, you can, you can send me questions, and I will answer them during the broadcast. I've been focusing on the pillars of living a passionate life as well as the bricks in the foundation consisting of self-care in order to be able to continue to hold up the pillars. And last Thursday on April the 4th, I spoke about the most enjoyable pillar, which is that of allowing ourselves to dream. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that this evening. But let me just fill you in on, on everything else. So you can find last week's video both on the Facebook page, on my website, and at YouTube. If you go to my YouTube page, just Google me or put in a search for my name on YouTube. Um, but again, if you go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, then you can find the links to both the Facebook and the YouTube, whichever you feel more comfortable watching. 
And um, also in the news, I will be interviewed by Sean Douglas for his radio show, Life Transformation Radio, about my book on May 29th at 4.15 p.m. Central Time. And stay tuned for the link. I don't have the link yet for that and that'll be on my Facebook page. And I'll also be interviewed by Texas Authors Radio on July 11th about my book. So I'll let you know about how you can hear both of those. And um, my course, I've been making some progress in the course. I've I've made some choices based on um, some things that I've learned along the way So to make it a better course. And um, hopefully that'll be ready for you to access very soon. And, of course, my book is always available on my website and on Amazon. And it's on Kindle as well. And let's see, any other news? Oh, yeah, I haven't, have not been writing a blog, any blogs in a while, and that's because I've been having so many experiences that I wanted to share, and I've begun several different blogs at once. Um, Yep, that's how I work. So now it's time for me to complete one of them and get them out to you. So I'm going to get one of those out to you very soon this week. In fact, I'm committing to that this week, and um, you can find out when it when it posts by following me on Facebook, and then it will be on my website, on the blog section of my website. Okay, is there anything else? I think that's pretty much the news. Oh, yeah. So I've been, as I said, I've been focusing on the the pillars and the bricks of self-care. And one of the bricks of self-care, if you've been listening to this program, Um, then you know that I've been focusing for myself on taking care of myself through meditation. And I I challenged myself to 40 days of meditation. And I will go beyond 40 days, but I just sort of set that milestone so that it wouldn't seem that, that difficult, although 40 days sounds like a lot. But that's about how long it takes for the changes in your brain to occur. So that's the amount of time that I set as my minimum length of time doing this. And I really started out with very short meditations, just nine minutes, and I've increased it to 18, and I'm going to increase it this week to 27. I've missed a few days, but those in itself were a lesson because when I missed those days, I was really sorry that I missed them. I could feel diff- I could feel the difference and I was very happy when I got back to it the next day. And so um you know, sometimes we we miss a day and that's okay, but if it feels good then we want to come back to it. And it it you know, meditation really has the um the power of helping us to slow down our thoughts. the parts of the brain that actually change from mindfulness meditation, which is what I've been doing, which is really just focusing on my breath and just noticing when I have a thought, not judging it and telling myself I'll think about it later. And again, focusing on my breath or some relaxing music or nature sound that I'm listening to. Um, The part brain that are, that 
are affected by that are the parts that have to do with concentration and focus, as well as emotional modulation, being able to calm ourselves more easily when we get stressed out or keeping ourselves from becoming overly frustrated or angry or sad. Um, And um, so after a period of time, we actually can see on brain scans that people actually grow more gray matter in those areas of the brain. So you don't have to be meditating in order to have those experiences. So the meditation helps you to later on during the course of your day to be able to modulate your emotions or um, be able to think more clearly and more focused. And that's great, right? So you know, uh, um, as I've mentioned, the four pillars that I came up with, I distilled down all of my writing about living a passionate life, all of the shows that I've done and the things that I've discussed and guests that I've focused on having on the program. And it really came down to four basic elements um, that really are necessary in order to live a pa- truly passionate life. And those are... Um, having compassion for other people, having um, being generous or having kindness of spirit. I put those in the same pillar. Um, Having gratitude for what we already have so that we feel uh, that we are enough and already have enough, that we're not coming from a place of desperation. And the most fun one, which is allowing ourselves to dream and follow our dreams no matter our age. But then we need to have the foundation in place or else the pillars will fall. And the bricks and the foundation consist of self-care. And like as Holly was talking about, really important, uh, what we ingest, the food that we eat, the the drinks that we drink, um, sleep, moving our bodies, and then – taking self-care of our mind, so slowing down our our thoughts, either through meditation or some sort of uh, relaxation technique, walking in nature, um, sitting and just enjoying the the beautiful scenery around us, building a sanctuary that feels really good and being able to just sit and journal or sitting in our garden. So that would all be part of that self-care brick, um, not allowing, you know, having better control of our inner troll, which always pops up with, you know, self-criticism. That's just a natural human um, emotion uh, or a tendency that we criticize ourselves. So being able to overcome that or be able to to mute it, um, not allowing the criticism of other people to affect us. And um, what are some of the other things? So, and and basically, um, reduce finding ways to reduce stress, as well as being open to the magic and synchronicities that come up uh, along our path. So, noticing, being aware. So, those are all really important parts of living a passionate life. And what I spoke about in more detail in the video, and I'll just mention it briefly, is that, um, you know, I had come across this quote 
in a, in the book The Sacred Path of the Warrior by Shaogyang Trungpa. And the quote is, the way of cowardice is to embed ourselves tune in which we perpetuate our habitual habits. When we are constantly recreating our basic patterns of behavior and thought, we never have to leap into fresh air or onto fresh ground. And, and I started thinking about this in terms of how um, as we grow into adulthood from childhood, so even just in our 20s and 30s, we believe that we've been taught that we need to grow up and stop thinking about our dreams. And then when we get into our later lives, like 40s and 50s, we've spent so much time doing that and focusing on taking care of other people's needs or living the life that we thought that we were supposed to, that we have even forgotten about our dreams. We don't even, many of us don't even know how to follow our dreams and, and we think it's too late. But that's really living in a cocoon. We become stuck in this cocoon. And, you know, if a butterfly doesn't break out of the cocoon when it's ready to spread its wings, it will die. So I'm not saying that you're going to die, but we sort of, our dreams die and, and the, and it's very hard to live a truly passionate life. We, we just don't have that same vibrancy and vitality and spark. And so it's really important to um, no matter how old we are, because we can do this at 92, we can live our dreams. And so the dreams might look different at 92, of course, than they'll look at 32 or 22. But we need to have a dream and a passion and a purpose no matter our age and, and find something that we can do that fulfills that passion and purpose whether it's painting or singing or helping our neighbor or telling stories for, you know, an older person has all sorts of stories to tell or changing a career or going out and volunteering and helping people and showing compassion for people can bring about a lot of passion and, and feeling like, wow, maybe this was my purpose. This was my dream that I didn't even know. So, I came up with some ideas for how to break out of the cocoon if if we aren't really used to doing that because we get stuck in those cocoons and we feel really safe there even though it's not very healthy for us. And so there, we may have to do it in, in small steps, just gradually chipping away at the outside of the cocoon. And it very simply... Just by changing our habits, um, we, can, we can make a big hole in the wall of the cocoon. Just by co- driving home a different way from work, um, doing something different in the middle of the week, joining a, a group, a meetup group, um, where, where you're getting to socialize with new people, um, finding some meetup groups, or other sorts of groups or classes about topics that you've never explored before, something completely new, or going for a walk in the park in the middle of the week rather than coming home and putting on the TV. Um, These sorts of things help us to gradually break out of our routine, gradually break through 
the cocoon. And when we're out in the world meeting people and experiencing new things, that's when we start to remember our dream or discover new dreams that we never knew we had. Um, We discover new things that we can do and people who will support us in our dream. If you join a group where where people are really um, inspired and, and inspiring and they're doing things that they really feel passionate about, it will help to inspire you to follow a dream and to not feel guilty that you should be more mature than that because they will support you. The people in the group will support you. So having a dream team, people who are supporting you and following a dream is really important. And being open to those magical synchronicities along your path as you're following your dream is really helpful in keeping you passionate and keeping you inspired and keeping you on that path towards living a passionate life. So those are just some um, ways to sort of get yourself out of the cocoon. And and one of the things that I mentioned in the video was that that meditation that I talked about, that, that, that meditating helps me to get from analytic brain, which I need to have in my work, um, where I have to write reports and in a jargon that's very legal, um, to then be able to write in interesting ways for people or to come up with interesting topics to discuss, um, I really need, in order to make that shift, I really need to have sort of that gap. And that's what meditation does. It helps me to move from left brain analytic to right brain creative. And so meditation is a good place to sort of um, increase your creativity and and as you're meditating you may get some new ideas about what it is that you love to do and what passion you want to follow um and let me see if there's anything else that i wanted to talk without giving away too much of that video i want you to watch the video uh (laughs) The next video on Thursday at 8 p.m. Central Time will be about generosity and how that plays into having a passionate life. I've spoken about it here, but I'm going to talk about um, some new things related to that. And, um, and one of the things in terms of um, writing which I think is really important in following our dreams. So what I, what I have discovered in my writing, and if you've read my book or if you've read any of my blogs, um, I have written each of the chapters and, and most of the blogs from a place of my own obstacles that I ran into an obstacle and you may not have realized it, but I was actually writing those in real time that I was in that most of the time. Most of the time I was in that situation and I was writing it with the idea that somehow as I write, I'm going to come up with some ways of either resolving the issue, this obstacle, or being able to better cope with it. Some, um, 
some aha moments as I'm writing because I had it in my mind that this was something that that my readers were going to see, and I had a higher purpose. And my higher purpose was that I would somehow come up with lessons that I learned that I could, that my list, my readers would then be able to learn from if they're going through the same thing, that maybe this is something that would be helpful to other people going through the same thing. And having that motivation, having that idea that I'm doing this for a higher purpose gave me more inspiration and more motivation to do it, to sit down and write and to create and to come up with solutions. So having a higher purpose is a really important part of creating and following your dream. So if you have a dream that you really um, feel like would, you would enjoy doing, if you could somehow match it with a higher purpose that when people see your artwork or hear your singing or, or are the beneficiaries of your volunteering, um, whatever it is, if you can continue to think of the higher purpose, it will, it will create more inspiration for you. It will create more of a spark of feeling um, purpose, that you have purpose in your life, and you will feel motivated to keto. Um, that's a really important part of it, and that will be covered as well when I talk next week about generosity and kindness of spirit. All right, so on that note, kindness of spirit and having a higher purpose, um, Mar- Maria Nella Ramirez Watson is joining us from Brownsville, Texas, to talk about Good Neighbor Settlement House and all of the wonderful, compassionate work that they're doing on the border with asylum seekers. Welcome, Maria Nella. Um, thank you, Dr. Carpill, for giving me a chance to share all that's happening down here on the border. Am I, Especially am I good pronouncing your Am I pronouncing your name correctly, by the way? Yes, ma'am. If you speak Spanish, it's Marianella. But Marianella is okay. perfectly fine if you don't. <laughs> Marianella. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Very pretty. Okay. Thank you. So, um, so what's happening down there? I know we had Jack White on a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about Good Neighbor Settlement House. But some of my some of our listeners tonight might not have tuned in for that, so maybe you can give a little bit of background about that, about Good Neighbor and what you're doing. Okay, Good Neighbor Settlement House was built in 1953 and started by United Methodist Women. Um, it was a day shelter. It was to help people in the neighborhood with tutoring, sewing, um, parenting and things like that, it slowly evolved into a day shelter for homeless people. Um, they go there three three meals a day. They can shower, uh, get clean clothes, get medical attention on Tuesdays. They can use our address to receive mail. None of that has changed, but then again, we have evolved and added a new program. Uh, many of you know that uh, large numbers of Legally seeking asylum people are being processed either through ICE or through CBP, which is a border patrol. 
Um, at the beginning in August, when we first started, we were only working with ICE. They would drop off people at the bus station. We would greet them, bring them to Good Neighbor. They could eat, shower. We would give them a backpack um, and a snack bag, and we would take them back to the bus station. Well, about and this three is weeks the, ago. This is to travel to their sponsor in the United States. Yes, ma'am. The sponsors buy their mm-hmm. tickets, <clears throat> and all we mm-hmm. would do was tr- transport them to Good Neighbor and transport them back to the bus station. All of this is done free. And it was nice because we would draw maps for them so they would know where where they would be getting off and getting back on. Um, And hopefully they made them understand how many times some of them were going to get off. Some of them it was just once or twice, some four or five. And if they're in a country where they don't speak English, it's nice to have a map that you can show people and ask for help. Um, mm-hmm. about, about three weeks ago, the city called Jack White, who's our executive director, um, and asked him if, told him that CBP, which is the Border Patrol, was getting ready to drop hundreds off a day. Could we help? And he, he and I talked, and a group of us planned, and so we said yes. Um, and what we do now, well, it's it's changed. Before, the, the CPB was dropping them off. They're a good neighbor, but... That wasn't working out. So now they leave them at the bus station. The bus companies get their their name, their sponsor's name and, and phone number so that they can call the, their sponsor and get the tickets paid for. Once they have their names and phone number, they're brought to Good Neighbor. And now Ozanam, which is another home, that's a homeless shelter, um, are getting involved. Um, mm. They bring them to us at Good Neighbor. We get 15 to 20 at a time, 30, and we, we register them. They shower. They get a clean set of clothes. We feed them. We get them ready to go back to the bus station when it's almost time for their bus to leave. Some of them um, end up spending the night with us. We've had as many as 160 one night because the wow. families are waiting to get the money to pay or the buses are full. And so Mm -hmm. they have to wait a day, sometimes two, to be able to catch a bus to where they're going. We're talking Florida, Wyoming, California, Washington, Oregon. I mean, everywhere. They're going everywhere where their sponsors are. Right. Um, and so we try to get send them off with a backpack that's got a blanket and a pillow and and um, a Bible, which are most appreciative because they like to read that. Um, and then we also give them a snack bag, which has got just various little snacks to help see them through. Um, we do all of this for free because some of them are like, well, what are you going to charge us? And we tell them it's free. People give us donations. And sometimes... Even their families get back to us and give us a donation. But most of this is done by people all over the United States that we don't even know, from Chicago, from New York, from L.A., and and they're just openly giving us donations. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. If if anybody's interested, speaking of donations, (laughs) Facebook, Good Neighbor Settlement House has Facebook, and it has a donation button. We also have a... A web page, website, www.goodneighbor can make a donation. 
We're um, located in Brownsville, and we're always looking for volunteers. And you'd be surprised. We get volunteers. We've had some from Washington State, some from California, um, just different parts, even Florida. We have some winter Texans that are coming in and helping sort clothes, Mm -hmm. uh, do laundry, wear towels, help cook a meal, um, because they don't speak English, but they help make hygiene kits, pack the backpacks. Um, so a lot of people are involved with this project. So so what I've heard is that you guys are receiving a lot more lately. Like how many in a day? Uh, we can get anywhere from two to 300 in a day. Yesterday wow. we had a slow day. So we only got like 50, but then 59 were brought through just to catch a dinner so that they could leave it then on the 10 o'clock bus. And we just happened to have enough food to feed those 59 people and send them a banana on the way as they were rushing back out to catch their bus. So we've, we've been wow. very lucky to be able to help these people. Right now, after I hang up with you, I got a call, and, and they know we have over 100 people tonight staying the night, about 120. And they said, well, do you think we could send a couple of bus loads, which is like 47 to a bus, just a shower, just a shower. Don't worry about feeding them. Just, you know, get them a shower. And I said, well, I'll call you back and let you know. So they so, actually call you and let you know that they're showing up? They try to most of the time. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that helps, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, it does. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, what I got a message from Jack yesterday telling me that some of the volunteers are working like 18-hour days. That would be me and a couple of other people. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but you know, you yeah. because you love it and you have the people are so grateful, you don't mind. It, it's really mm-hmm. crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm retired. I don't mind telling people I'm 64 and... I just keep going like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So, but it sounds like you can certainly use more people to sort of be able to take the pressure off of you guys. Yes, ma'am, we could. We have right now college interns that are uh, working towards hours for their social work degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to be in there. So they're there in the morning. When we really need volunteers is from 1 to 6 because most of them take off to either their job or to, for classes um, But pretty in the weekends. But pretty soon at the end of April, they'll be gone. So then we're really going to want people there all day. And we're not asking for them to spend all day, a couple of hours. If we could make right. some slots where we would volunteer for a couple of hours and that we could count on them. We have volunteers that come once a week stay the morning which mm-hmm. is great but we need a few more people <laughs> right right and certainly donations yes ma'am mm-hmm. um, our donations change pretty much every four to five days like right now we're asking for the items that go in the their drawstring backpacks which is um, like Capri Sun juices individual chips um, peanuts, individual pa- everything is individual packages. Animal crackers, peanut butter crackers, Nature Valley granola bars, Nature Grain bars, and pretzels, those gummy fruits, 
could also use backpacks and, of course, drawstring backpacks. Um, okay. Our ad- our, we are Good Neighbor Settlement House, and our address is 1254 East Tyler Street in Brownsville, Texas, 78520. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you have a list of what you need? on your website or on your Facebook page or the donation buttons mainly for money, financial donations? Okay. The donation button is mainly for money, but we are Mm -hmm. trying. All of us are like super busy, but we have been trying to update and keep updated our um, needs list. So for a while there will be the clothes. We have lots of clothes for right now, maybe for a week or two, and then we're going to be scrambling for clothes again. (laughs) So, but right. right now it's mostly the snacks and uh-huh. and food items. Okay. okay. All right. And that and that needs list is on the website. It should be, yes, ma'am. And I'll check on that when I get off with you. Um, okay. I can tell you okay. some of the things that we need volunteers to do is help cooking meals, serving meals, um, making the little hygiene kits because we make our own um, hygiene kits. Filling the backpacks, um, greeting people, uh, like doing the mm-hmm. laundry, sorting and folding clothes. When we get the people, we try to have them like not move a whole lot, so we can go quickly. So we go down the line, getting their name, what size clothes they wear, and their children. Then we go back to the clothes room, and we have people there that fill the the bags with the clothes that that family needs. Then they're taken out to the showers, so they can shower. Um, and get mm-hmm. them ready to go turn around and go back to the bus station. Right. So and these, how many how many done. of them are families? How many of the people that you get are actually families? Actually, all of them right now. They're women, head of household with one, two, maybe even three children, and there are men with their children, one, again, two or three. Um, mm-hmm. Today it was okay. cute. I didn't realize the boys... We're identical twins, and so when I'm looking at them registering, I looked at them and I said, ma'am, I think they made a mistake on these on the birth certificate. She goes, oh, no, they're twins. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, well. And these are people who have already been processed and already, you know, found to be credible, fear, and, and you know, allowed yes, to stay ma'am. and go on to the next step of whatever is in the process of asylum. Yes, ma'am. They have the the correct paperwork from CBP to be able to cross, like, Sarita, where the checkpoint is. They have picture mm-hmm. ID and all the paperwork necessary to clear them to where they're going. Right. So none of them right. are illegal. That That's real important to, to stress. They are all here legally because ICE or CBP has processed them and granted them permission to keep traveling to their family. Right. That's important to say. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. And another thing to say is that they're so appreciative. Some of these people have not bathed in 15 days. Mm. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. They just, that's the first thing. Can we take a shower? Yeah. Can you give us a minute just to get your clean clothes and get everybody seated and then you all take showers? Oh, okay. Mm. I admire that, right. that they that they 
survived getting here, determined to get away from whatever. You know, it could be mm-hmm. family members murdered, they've been threatened, their house has been burned. You know, tragic things, the stories you hear are just incredible. I can very imagine. Moving. I can imagine. They've come a long way, right? These are people from Honduras, El Salvador, um, Guatemala, right? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have at the beginning, before this surge, we would get people from Russia, Sri Lanka, China, um, Cameroon, but we're not seeing as many of those. We're mostly seeing the Central Americans right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so. right. Yeah, I think it's it's really important uh, that people, I mean, obviously what you're doing is really important right there, but I think getting the word out, you know, making people more aware of what's going on because there's a lot of misinformation and yes, and people are making assumptions as you said that you know that they're illegal they're you know and they're not no ma'am they're so, not i had yeah. a conversation with, with someone that kept saying well these illegals and i kept saying no they have been legally vetted and approved to continue travel and she and i just went over i must have said that five times <laughs> because they were illegal. And they're not. And most of them are so appreciative and so kind. And they, when they're leaving, they say, God bless you. You know, may you have good health. You've done so much for us. We never expected this. It's just, they're just appreciative. And they're humans just like us. And if we start thinking, God, this could be my my family member. And it's so nice to know somebody Mm -hmm. was there to greet them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was my family members, you know, a couple of generations ago coming into Ellis Island, um, right? They they came seeking asylum from the dangers of being in Eastern Europe. And yes, I would say that many Americans, are, you know, if you go back, you know, some just even one generation, but some more generations, it, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're 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 a country of, of, of immigrants. Mm-hmm. I said, and some mm-hmm. of these people have forgotten that's where how their families got here. You know, exactly. unless you were an American Indian, then you're an immigrant, right? right. <laughs> yeah, we we are a country of immigrants. So, yeah. Well, thank you for everything that you're doing. I mean, it's really wonderful. And um, I am going to um, post all of that information on the website posts about this show. So um, if anybody had missed when you when you said your website and Facebook page and all of that, then they can just go to my website about this show and they'll, you know, the posts about the show and the, those links will be there and they can just click on them. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And again, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share and give knowledge to people about what's going on down here. And thank you for doing that and and taking the time out. I know you have a busy, busy day there. So, (laughs) um, you know, and take care. Be sure to take care of yourself, okay? I will. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you.
so much. Okay. Have a good evening. All right. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. All right. So um, before we get cut off by art for the evening, um, I want to let you, we don't have a musician for this evening, so I'm just going to go right to letting you all know what's going on next week. Um, Next Sunday, April 14th, we'll be back with another great show. We have clinical psychologists and co-owners of Being Centered Psychological Services in New York City, and they will be here to discuss their new book, Awaken Love. Dr. Anna Huff and Dr. Teresa Reyes-Castillo will be here to discuss their book and their self their self-discovery, spirituality, and healing, which is what their book is about. And they'll also be discussing how we can all integrate our soul and intuition into our daily life, which is the focus of their psychological practice. And much more. We will have much more. Um, We always have new things added on during the week. So stay tuned for that and be sure to tune in next Sunday. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show and read about upcoming shows, listen to previous programs, get my blog, all of that, um, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpel, Your Golden Years. And you can listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Ronald Devere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Holly Barker, Marianella Ramirez-Watson, And, of course, thank you, Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Comes a time when you're all alone Comes a time, gotta write that song May not make any sense at all But it's up to you to keep a smile on your face Now I've been young mostly every day Just like you, don't you ever change Cause this world's getting pretty old And it's up to you Keep a smile on your face, butterflies down, butterflies down, butterflies down. Now don't forget who wrote you this song. Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 